Have a seat. How is everyone today? Good. Today we are in on the third Sunday of Advent, right? You may not know this, or you may not be ready to hear this, but one week from today is Christmas Eve. <laughs> it always sneaks up on me every year. Um, Advent is a time of, of preparation and waiting, and I know that we're all busy preparing for Christmas, right? It is sort of a frenetic kind of energy that overcomes us as we start worrying about Christmas cards and, and buying presents and wrapping presents and sending presents and Christmas cookies. And oh, de- oh, there's the tree and we've got to decorate the house. And there's Christmas dinner. We've got to prepare the dinner. And we get sort of frantic. At least I do. Does anyone else here get a little busy and frantic around the Christmas holidays, right? So this is where Advent, I think, I love to sort of live into Advent, and sometimes I just need to stop and take a breath and just let myself settle into Advent. Take a breath with me. So Advent, again, is a time of preparation and waiting. It is a contemplative time, but it's not like Lent, right? Lent is very solemn. There's a certain joy and, 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 and expectation that happens around Advent because we're waiting for the coming of the Lord, right? And that's an exciting thing. There are four themes in the season of Lent each Sunday. We have peace, hope, joy, and love. And today is our third Sunday. It is the day of joy. And when I think about joy, right, the joy of the season, It fills my heart. In our gospel lesson today, we see John the Baptist. And John says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And when I put those words together with joy, the image that always comes to my mind is this great scene from Godspell. Do any of you remember Godspell? Did any of you ever see Godspell? It's been a while, right? But there's this great scene, and you hear this sort of disembodied voice, a man's voice singing, prepare ye the way of the Lord, and I won't sing it for you because you wouldn't like that. Um, (laughs) Just truth. Um, So you hear this voice singing, prepare ye the way of the Lord, and the people, you see people just like dropping everything, books and purses and taking off jackets and taking off shoes, and they start walking towards this voice. And the closer they get to the voice, they begin to get these big smiles on their faces, and they begin laughing, and then they sort of begin dancing, right? And they get there, and there's John the Baptist standing in this huge fountain, in the middle of the fountain, and everyone jumps into the fountain with him, and they start having water fights, and John is like spraying all the people, baptizing them with the water of the fountain. And it is a scene of just pure joy. I love it. Go watch it again. Sure, you can Google it. So that is one aspect of Advent is John is preparing for the coming of the grown-up Jesus as he steps into his ministry, which is a really beautiful part of the story, right? But that's not what's happening a week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow, the baby's born. So Advent for me is much more about the waiting and the anticipation of the baby's birth. And so for me, Advent is really Mary's time. Some of the women who were at dinner last week will recognize some of what I talk about today. I love Mary. So Mary's time, Mary is sort of the iconic 
Advent image that, we, that I embrace, right? She is waiting patiently. She's probably excited, curious to meet this little person. She's probably, she has expectations, she has hope, she has anxiety, she has fear. The whole gamut of emotions that you go through when you are awaiting a baby, right? It's a very poignant and very um, uh, rife time. You're sort of going back and forth between these emotions. And so I think of Mary, and I want to sit and wait with Mary and prepare with Mary. I want to, and you'll see in, this, in our readings today, we have Isaiah, which is prophesying the coming of the Lord. We have John the Baptist in the gospel reading talking about the coming of the adult Lord to, fill in, to step into his ministry. And then we have Canticle 15. And Canticle 15 is familiar. It is the word spoken by Mary after she discovers that she is going to be, conceive the baby Jesus. And you find that at the very end of the first chapter of Luke. So I want to take a step back and just talk a little bit about what got us to this point um, with Mary saying these words. So in the first chapter of Luke, uh, the first thing we do is we meet a man named Zechariah, and he is an elderly priest. He is married to Elizabeth, and they are good and righteous, faithful people. They've never been able um, to have a child, and they have prayed and prayed for a child. Um, but that, it just never happened for them, and now they're older, and that, those, those hopes and dreams have sort of died. One day, Zechariah is at the temple, and he is selected that day to be the person that goes in with the incense to sort of smudge or sense the space and prepare the space. And he goes in alone, but he isn't alone. The angel Gabriel joins him. And the angel Gabriel says, Zechariah, your prayers are answered. Elizabeth will conceive a child, and you will name him John. And then he goes through and he gives uh, Zechariah some tips for how to raise John. And then he says, he will prepare the way for the Lord. Now, Zechariah is very skeptical, but it happens. Elizabeth becomes pregnant. She conceives this little boy, and it is a miracle. Six months later, Elizabeth is six months pregnant, and the angel Gabriel appears again. This time he appears in the home of a young, very young, 14, 12, 16, a young girl, young peasant girl. We know her, Mary. And he appears before Mary, and he says, greetings, favored one. And Mary is a little put off, like, who is this person? What is he doing here? And she tells, and the angel Gabriel tells Mary, you have found favor with God. And you will conceive a child, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High, and he will sit on the throne of David. At this point, Mary doesn't know what to make of any of this. I'm sure she's terrified, confused. In those days, if Mary were found to be unfaithful to her betrothed, he could just set her aside and not marry her. Or he could actually have her stoned to death. This was not a little thing. So Mary's probably trying to process all of this. 
And the angel Gabriel tells her the story of Elizabeth, who happens to be her cousin. It says Elizabeth is six months pregnant. It's a miracle. But anything is possible with God. And Mary sort of, I don't know if it's resignation or acceptance, she says, here am I, the servant of the Lord. After that, she's left alone. The angel leaves, and Mary's alone again, feeling lonely and afraid. And she does the most obvious thing. She turns to her cousin Elizabeth, and she goes to visit Elizabeth. That's what I would do, right? You find out you're pregnant. You want to talk to another woman who's been through what you have been through. And nobody else but Elizabeth has had this particular experience of this miraculous conception. So uh, so, um, Mary goes to Elizabeth's house, and when she walks in the door... The baby in Elizabeth's womb jumps. And Elizabeth looks at Mary and she says, Who am I? Who am I that the mother of our Lord has visited me? When you spoke, the child in my womb leapt for joy. It's a beautiful scene. And that is when Mary begins to speak these words. And they're powerful words. I imagine Mary, we sort of have this image of Mary being sort of docile and obedient. I imagine her sort of stepping forward and putting back her shoulders and stepping into her power and her strength and speaking these words. And she begins with words of of gratitude, right, and joy. She speaks of God coming into the world and God turning the world upside down. She is grateful that God has acknowledged her, just a humble peasant girl, and selected her in this role, and that she will be blessed for all times. And then she begins to paint a picture, right? A picture that feels familiar. It's a picture of the kingdom of God, a beloved community. It is the, she uses the words that we will hear 30 years down the road when Jesus begins his ministry. The words she speaks, the mighty will be cast down and the lowly lifted up. The hungry will be filled and the rich will be turned away. God will show mercy. No one had to tell Mary exactly what was happening. She knew instinctively that this was a monumental event and that this would change the world as we knew it. And she stepped into that that challenge this young girl, and claim these words. And, and these words have been, have been, have been um, helping people, it's not the word I'm looking for, but helping people um, who are oppressed, who are downtrodden for millennia. They turn to this, these words of Mary and these words of strength and know that, that freedom is possible. So we have this portrayal of Mary as this meek, she's been put up on a pedestal, pure, virginal, sweet, obedient Mary. And we do her disservice by looking at her in that one dimension because she is multidimensional, as we all are. And she is, at her core, strong. And Jesus, uh, God looked with favor on Mary because she is humble and good and all of those things, but also because she has this inner strength that she is going to need to step into this role as the mother of Jesus. She's going to need that strength 
to bear this child. She's going to need that strength to raise that child, to be the man that he needs to be as he steps into his ministry. Imagine Mary. She's physically strong, right? Imagine this. She is nine months pregnant today, as we speak, right, in the bigger story. She is nine months pregnant, sitting on the back of a donkey for probably four days, right, traveling to Bethlehem. And when she gets there, she gives birth in a manger. Now, when I had my children, I was living in rural South Dakota, and the hospital was 45 miles away, and we had a truck and I knew I was going to a hospital where they would take care of me, and that felt like a lot. I cannot imagine what it was for Mary, right? She is physically strong. And we see parts of Mary throughout the, throughout the scripture, little snippets here and there, and in every one, she shows her, her strength and her compassion and her love. She is a mother, and she goes through all the ups and downs of motherhood. I think about when Mary and Joseph take Jesus to Egypt to keep him safe, to protect him. I think about the time that they go into Jer to Jerusalem and Jesus runs away and they lose him for three days and they're frantically searching for him. And when they finally find him, Mary scolds him as any good mother will do, right? I think about the time that Jesus returns home and his people reject him. And Mary's like, come on, come home, I'll feed you, I'll take care of you, trying so hard to protect him, and yet at the same time, he's all grown up, right? And he's got work to do, and he ends up rejecting her, which is a mother's heartbreak, right? We've all been through that if we have teenagers. So, and then there's that final, final scene as a mom, and I can't even fathom, as she stands and watches as her son is tortured and nailed to a cross and watches as he takes his final breath. She is strong. She inspires me. Without Mary, we wouldn't have a story, would we? Jesus was born of the Son of the Most High, born of a woman. She plays a pivotal part of the story. And Mary raises this young man to be the man that he, he needed to be. He was also strong and just and merciful. And that's Mary. The words that come out of his mouth are the words that he learned from his mother. And that's a beautiful thing. And so as I sit in this time that tends to get a little crazy and chaotic, and I try to ground myself in the feeling of Advent, I close my eyes and I imagine Mary. Mary who is feeling a whole array of feelings. And I imagine sitting with her and holding her hand and letting her strength move into my body and my strength into hers and feel this solidarity, sisterhood with Mary. And I know that I, will, I too have the strength, that we all have the strength to do those things that are put for us. And I am so grateful for her. Now, I relate to Mary as a mother. You might relate to Mary just as a woman, as a man. We can all connect with Mary, who is the human side of Jesus. 
And she is a powerful and a strong image, and I give thanks for her. And I settle into Advent, and I imagine Mary there along with me, waiting. Amen.